0: Friends, are you listening to CBJRadio.com yet? It's a free internet radio station. Brand new shows every day of the week. Now, these shows range from all independent artist shows, a Friday Night Request show, a hip-hop show, a jam band show. And don't forget about Retro Saturday Nights. It covers 80s music, grunge music, and glam metal. Make CBJRadio.com the only internet radio station you listen to. Now today's guest is Liz Stewart-Dell. And while well, we talked about her life in this interview, like we talk about everybody's life during the interview, but we'll really dive into COVID because she's a nurse and gave great insight to the pandemic and how people are responding to it. I think we could have talked for hours and hours and it's always great catching up with her. And by the way, folks, she was wearing a Star Wars shirt during the interview scoring points in my book. Let's get to the interview.
1: Born and raised here in Portland, Oregon where I have lived my entire life in the suburbs.
0: So are your parents native Portlandians, Oregonians?
1: Uh, My mom was born, actually my mom was born in Oregon and my dad was born in West Virginia and then migrated out to California with his family and then ended up in Oregon in the fifties and ended up meeting my mom in the sixties. They got married early, were married for 50 years. And wow. then, you know, until he passed away a couple years ago. So,
0: so how they meet? Like, how'd he get from California to Oregon? Like how did they, meet? um,
1: well, he, you know, he grew up in a pretty poor family. There were seven kids, uh, he was the sixth kid. And when he was like six months old, his father um, died of a brain aneurysm. And then a cousin of his biological father uh, decided to marry my grandmother and adopt all the kids. And then they had one more kid. So they had seven all together. He was from California. So he took her back to California. And then, so that was, Let's see. My dad was born in '42, and I don't know why they migrated up to Oregon. It's just probably, you know, same same reason people always come up to Oregon from California. There's too many people down in California, and you know, they get tired of that stuff and want a little bit more of an easy going. You know,
0: like. kind of like Colorado to Wyoming. I, I feel you. Yeah. yeah, I, I spend ya.
1: a lot of time in Colorado because my bestie lives in Denver, and so I'm there at least once a once a year. It's awesome. I love Colorado.
0: It's so different from the first time I ever really started going as an adult Not get sidetracked, Colorado. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Front range. I remember you used to be able to do, uh, I like used to call I-25. You could do whatever speed limit you really wanted. Uh, uh-huh. Now you can barely get to like 55. If there's so many people live down there. In Colorado? Yeah. What like you I, 25, 25 you used mean? to be able to haul butt from oh. uh, Cheyenne to the outskirts of Denver. I probably could get 80, 85 going. Wow. don 't see that anymore these days Uh-oh. Uh, it's probably anywhere close to denver you're dropping down about fifty five sixty five Man, but yeah it's uh you're
1: talking yeah. Idaho speed limits now too seventy five out there in idaho yeah. so you know
0: well, Laramie i mean wyoming is uh is eighty but predominantly on on interstates <laughs> where it's safe
1: oh my gosh you know
0: <laughs> except Ooh. for around Laramie where it's treacherous winds snow. Yep. Uh, everywhere around us is the normal set. We didn't bump it up anywhere. But once you get further enough out of the county, mm-hmm. then it goes up. Like, oh crap, it's eighty. I can like let it fly for a little bit.
1: Yeah. How uh, do they, they do did. it? How do they do with their motor vehicle accidents, though?
0: It hasn't gone up or anything. They do crack down on eighty-one if you're doing <laughs> like if you like oh. they really you know like seventy-five one
1: over yeah getting a ticket. Well,
0: yeah, I, they're I, like I think... we're giving you. some responsibility but we're gonna crack down
1: yeah
0: if you're going over it's okay to 80 but if you're going over they will come down on you a little bit like more than the 75 76 like between there they didn't really know as much but yeah they do they're like they don't want you to be doing 85 or 90 Right. right right 80 is good enough you stay there so back to growing up in Oregon. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh no, I get sidetracked all the time.
1: You're going to edit this, right? So. Oh no. It's,
0: it's interesting because it is, because it's really, it's, it's true stuff. Um, growing up in Oregon, are you, are you the only child? Do you have siblings?
1: Uh, I'm the oldest of two. So I was born in 68. My brother came 13 months later oh, wow. and, um, yeah, so my parents were, you know, they've stayed here their entire lives. My grandmother on my mom's side was actually from Mississippi. She was born and raised in Mississippi. Wow. So I'm so glad that, you know, that my family settled in Oregon, um, yeah. which is a relatively liberal state, even though we still have a lot of um, conservative outskirts and whatnot. You know, um, I feel like I, I grew up in a pretty nice place. You know, part of the country, so I feel pretty privileged there.
0: Well, I definitely understand that because that's where I grew up too. Yeah, exactly, about thirteen, right? and then I tell people, I go, uh, "That part of Oregon, the Northwest, mm-hmm. and and the West, definitely a little more liberal." And then you get over those Cascades, and I'm like, "It's Wyoming." Mm-hmm. Like I know it's Idaho and everything, but it's yep. Wyoming all the way. I was yep. like, uh, "Eastern Oregon is that way," um, mm-hmm. and it looks a lot like Wyoming and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I, I miss the green of Oregon, but I don't miss the rain or the overcast. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> but actually, you know what? It's drier lately though, Justin, I yeah. swear with um, this global warming thing, I swear we're getting California weather is moving up to Oregon. And I was just thinking, you know, you would not even recognize Gresham anymore. if you, It's so overpopulated everything, you know, how, you know how 82nd used to kind of be the area that was really populated with everybody on the outskirts of, um, of Portland, the city. Now it's like that 82nd crowd has like moved out to Gresham because it's so expensive. I think like the medium, the median home value in the city of Portland is like $500,000. It's crazy. You know? So. Yeah.
0: I've been there since I was 13, but yes, I I do visit and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and the more I visit, the more it's, it totally has changed. On the last time I was out there, um, yeah. I took a lot of pictures and the summer, like where I lived, the Creek was dried up mm-hmm. where it was so weird to see that. And there's tons more houses. And it was, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up in with a forest behind my house. So my imagination right. could run wild. Right. Um, but uh, it, a lot of that's cut down now. Uh, it, it's sad that kids won't have that same uh, growing up experience cited, but they have more technologies these days. Uh, I, I couldn't wait to be outside halftime cause it was raining. Right. And so I was like, all right, let's get outside. Even when it was raining, I was outside a lot. Mm-hmm. And so did you, were you and your brother, obviously eight, what'd you say? 16 months apart?
1: We're like 13 months. 13. Apart. Yeah. So
0: you're obviously like really, I mean, growing up close, like fricking frack or were you like
1: very much, very much, yeah, okay. uh, very much like oil and water completely oh. different, completely different personalities. I'm, I, I, I am super outgoing. He was very kind of shy and quiet and, you know, had the dominating older sister that, you know, kind of, um, kind of ruled the roost and, and, uh, you know, kind of tortured him through his childhood. Not, you know, not literally, of course, but, you know, he was like, Hmm, you know, you weren't so nice to me when we were younger and i was like why because i touched you and then you told mom you know so but um but we learned to get along as we got older and uh we ended up you know we ended up getting um married and having kids within a couple years of each other so you know our kids grew up together and it's a, it was a pretty close family and until uh until the politics the last couple years so <sighs> yes facebook you know damn it know, everybody right? now we know everybody's i know opinion. them and their algorithms i blame them i blame zuckerberg for everything so
0: yes yes i understand mm-hmm. uh so oil and water so you were obviously into different activities growing up what kind of activities like were you in sports were you into academics were you
1: well i You know, I was in a lot of the AP English classes, but I was also a cheerleader. I mean, Uh the fun thing about where we grew up is you know, we grew up in a pretty nice suburb out there, went to Barlow, you you know, and, yeah. and that was a nice area. And it wasn't so, you know, you could do whatever you want to do back in the 80s. I mean, I think about this all the time with my kids and watching them go through their high school years, which they're both done with now. But I mean, you know, we really capitalized on what I call the epitome of education in this country, which was during the 70s, you know, and the early 80s, I would say, and then that's when they started making all those cuts and take, I remember when I was in, uh, when I was a sophomore, I think in high school, it was a big deal because they were cutting some of the arts projects or the arts classes. And, you know, a couple of the classes and people were just up in arms like oh, they're taking all this money away from the schools, you know, but, um, and then after, after I graduated from high school, I kind of tried a little bit of college and uh, started with like the, um, community college. And I ended up going back like 10 years later and doing it again. And and then another 10 years later. And the difference that I could see in the education, yes, it took me 20 years to finish my degree, (laughs) but the difference that I could see in what you were getting for your money to me, I was like, why am I paying double and getting a lesser education, you know, in the two thousands than I did back in the eighties and nineties when I went. So that's a yeah, it's a source of I, one of the pet peeves, you know. Yeah, well, I have a theory on that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, you like cut Reagan enough education, <laughs> you cut enough education,
0: people are sheep people right? are aren't, mm-hmm. will yeah. not question your right. the government.
1: Oh yeah, she, because yeah. because Reagan learned all about it back during the Vietnam, you know, protest times, you know, when he was governor of California. So of course when he was president, he was gonna, you know. Well, that's my theory, but
0: you know, not too, yeah, much, I, not
1: too much on the conspiracy theories, but
0: you know, I mean, we're running on our state. We're like, they, when, when they're like, well, we don't want to raise taxes or not raise taxes, just mm-hmm. get different revenue stream. We'll just cut education. Right. And, and now they're talking about cutting towns, small towns. Right. And I'm like, right. wait a minute. Right. There's, there's so much revenue out on the table mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. us that Wyoming won't even touch just because of small-minded thinking unless they don't have the education to actually be forward thinkers. And here I go, my own State, but I do it all the time. Um, I know where I live. Um, I I live in Laramie, Wyoming, and it's a college town full of college experts and such. So we vote a certain way, um, completely opposite to the rest of the state. So I wouldn't live anywhere else. I love working in education. Um, I try to fight the power from the inside, right. um, but I'm glad you got educated. You said, yes, it took me 20 years to get it done. Sure, all good. It's all good. Right. It's all good. I, I'm, right. I mean, that's keep going, keep it up. I, I will never go back to college yeah. um, because I work at one now and I real I see the stress all the time on my, mm-hmm. there's that underlying feeling. And I always tell people when you're in school that you got to study right. and I love coming home and not having to study. I'll say that right. for sure. Right. And, and, or I wish I would have taken time off out after college, after high school. Um, but then I know I probably wouldn't end up in college. It was like, I had to grind it out mm-hmm. to get it done. And no, I never wanted to do it again. And now my dad holds a master's. He's like, she you should get your master's. And I was like, in what? I don't, I'm going to retire soon enough. I don't want my master's. I was like, right. no desire. I still love learning though. Uh-huh. Um, I do. I read a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily crack books all the time. I'll read more articles and such, Mm -hmm. Uh, but love still to learn still. Mm -hmm. And that's because I'm in a learning environment.
1: I like like some books too. Can you see all those back there? So there you go. That's only one side. So trophies, (laughs) Well, (laughs) trophies.
0: And you were talking about, I mean, I was going to say like, I thought you were going to go on this road when we were younger and growing up. um, I, well, I grew up in a divorced household. Yeah. And so our parents weren't around as much Mm -hmm. to be the uh, Mm -hmm. parents. And so we did so much, so many different things, good, bad, whatever, Mm -hmm. that kids don't get away with today because.
1: Well, I'll tell you, it's not necessarily just a divorced household. It was the times things. I think that things were safer back then. I know that, you know, my parents were married and not divorced the whole time. And, you know, your sister and I still hung out and yeah. did whatever we were going to, <laughs> you know, and my dad's, my dad's thing was like, Hey, you're going to do what you're going to do, you know, just call us. And if you get in trouble, call us and uh, be home by midnight, you know, but I'll tell you what, because of the way that we grew up, I ended up being kind of a helicopter mom with my there kids. And so don't tell me that you're just going over to somebody's house. You have that mother. I'm going to meet that mother and I'm going to tell that mother what my rules are in my house so that you're not, you know, getting stoned in the seventh or eighth grade or something like that, you know, which is, you know, not that I got into it that much, but I was in the seventh grade the first time I got stoned because that's the kind of kid that I was hanging out with at the time. And remember, my mom, my dad came to pick me up and we were like, oh, my God oh, your dad's here, Liz. And, and uh, my dad knocked on the door for 40 minutes. And then he was like, you think I don't know what you're doing in there? You know? So I was like, oh, okay. I just, I just amped up that paranoia. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, lucky for me, I never, you know, it's just the crowd you hang out with. Yeah. And back then, you know, I don't think that, well, my parents weren't like, you know, they didn't, they didn't watch me like a hawk, like they should have, I should say. So, well, but it still turned out
0: okay. So, Insta- well, 24 hour news cycles, right? That drives up paranoia. Facebook drives up paranoia, social mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. And so, I was like, I watch a lot of uh, um, real true crime stuff, and mm-hmm. it's always about the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're any less safer than we are just living in ignorant bliss, right? Like, ah, oh, my world's perfect. Like, right. there's so many bad neighborhoods I've rolled around in my life mm-hmm. not knowing any better, right? And looking back, on like, you
1: know, we we could go out like we we lived in a neighborhood where all the parents knew each other. And there were a group of about like six to 10 of us kids in the neighborhood. And this this wasn't like, you know, next door, like a development. This was like farms. So like there was a 40 acre farm over here and a 20 acre farm over here. And then, you know, the rest of us grew up on maybe like one to three acres or something like that. Yeah. But because our parents all knew each other the whole rule was, okay, be home before dark, you know, oh, yeah. so we'd go out we'd ride our bikes together. We'd go build forts down at, by the Creek, you know, we'd go ride dirt bikes in the nurseries, you know, yeah. or swim in somebody's pool. Oh mom, we're down at, you know, Becky and Dan swimming today, you know, and then another couple of days they'd be down at our pool or whatever. And I mean, this was not, you know, we weren't raised, this was not like the lap of luxury. I mean, my parents, you know, had gone bankrupt and, had ended up buying a piece of property that had a little house and a barn. And then when they started to remodel the little house, they found out that it had termites. So my dad said, Hey, let's remodel the barn. We'll live in the barn instead, because that house is only 750 square feet anyway. And so I lived in a barn, a remodeled barn from the time that I was in the fourth grade until they finally built it into a real house when I was a freshman. So I think that, you know, kind of gave me a, a little bit of a, but, you know, even though I wasn't raised with like the lap of luxury, I had a lot of love in my life. And so like that has always kind of grounded me where, you know, I went through you know my my ex-husband and I uh, had a construction company. And that's the reason that I ended up going back to school, you know, and finishing my degree to be a nurse when I was age forty two because we lost our business, lost our house, you know, so watching this stuff go through, I've seen that all happen. And I've kind of learned about like, what's important and it ain't stuff, you know? So, but it, but it is, it's that, that ability to for kids to be able to play in the neighborhood would be fabulous. I wish my kids would have had the same experience. Unfortunately they didn't and they're kind of loners. They're more, which is kind of good for COVID because they're not hurting too bad with the whole COVID thing of being stuck in the house, they're kind of like, "Well, we kind of knew how to play on the computer and read books, and you know, whatever, because that's kind of what we did." So,
0: yeah, I, I, I came from some meager upbringings as well. Mm-hmm. Divorced parents, um, not necessarily both parents on the same page. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom worked a couple jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the lights didn't go on. Sometimes I, there was just, and then uh, the University of Wyoming came along. Mm-hmm. And as much as I hated moving to Wyoming, mm-hmm. uh, it saved our lunch. And it actually saved my lunch.
1: It's how old were you when you when you moved there? Because I know your, your sister had just graduated. We had just graduated when she moved. So uh, she no, was like 19, right?
0: She was at University of Oregon for a year. We moved yeah. when I was 13. Okay. So yeah, 19. We're six years apart. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And so
1: that must yeah, have been hard
0: oh brutal oh and so like uh i mean there were many a times like i'm moving back home to live with my dad and stuff mm-hmm. like that which mm-hmm. i can't imagine my life i love my dad and everything i can't imagine growing up in that house at that time period um mm-hmm. would have been interesting uh mm-hmm. then my senior year probably here turned me around as far as okay laramie's not so bad mm-hmm. um because everything came together varsity football player senior girlfriend classes were like set up like easy like I'd gotten all the hard stuff out of the way Uh um so things were going well but I knew I thought my ticket out was sports and athletics and football and that's why I was like I gotta get out of here and really shot myself around and University of Wyoming was just the best opportunity Mm -hmm. but my parents were like you're going to live in the dorms you're gonna you know you're not gonna live at home you're gonna have that college experience even though like
1: Mm-hmm. I hung out
0: with Laramie kids like right off the bat, not necessarily many mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. a whole lot of new people, but, mm-hmm. um, it was uh, having that experience in Oregon. And actually I, I was a lot younger and I really didn't realize a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Wh- how bad it could was going or some things like that. But yet I'm not a stuff guy. Like you said, like I'm mm-hmm. a,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm a memories type person. I'm an experience type mm-hmm. person. Um, uh, I do like the things I have now, you know. Sure. Um it's it's better to have car- stuff
1: than to not have stuff. Yeah. But you know, we've you all worked hard for it, it. There you go, right? Uh,
0: but yet there's like, oh, time to declutter the house cuz it's way too much stuff right. that I've kept that I don't really need sometimes or somebody else could use it. And so yeah, like it wasn't
1: our worst stuff.
0: No, that's yeah. not going anywhere. <laughs> I know. I
1: know. That's <laughs> But you, but you got to look back at it, too, and think, you know, you wouldn't be the person that you were or that you are right now if you hadn't gone through all those struggles. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Yeah. You, you look back and you go, oh, my God. You know, at the time you're going through it, you're just like, oh, you know, especially at middle school age. But yeah. here, look at you. See what a success you are now. There you yeah. go. Good on you.
0: It's interesting to see, like, how, like, my parents, you know, slowly made our lives better. And how mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Michelle struggled to get things and I was next. And then Brie, oh my God, little spoiled Brie got everything yeah. she uh-huh. wanted here uh-huh. here in Wyoming and everything. She yeah. doesn't really remember growing up in Oregon. It cracks me up. Cause she got that attitude later in life. Um, mm-hmm. by, like, they when they when She never had to want for anything for the while there. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see that. And I'm glad they could do that for her. I was never really jealous of it, but I wanted to tell her she's lucky. Right. This is what
1: I'm struggling with with my kids now, because, you know, my daughter is 21 and um, we had put away some, uh, even though we lost the house and stuff, we had put away college funds for the kids. Not enough to go to a four year university, but enough for a decent start. You know, she could probably pay for, you know, a couple of years at the community college that way you know and so when she graduated when she was getting ready to graduate from high school I was like hey you know we have this money for you now it's up to you you know you can save your money you can go to a community college and then transfer to a four-year later you know and she's like well I think I want to be a nurse like you mom I was like great do community college for almost all of it and then you can do the rest and the hospitals um For those of us that go on and get our uh, bachelor's after we're already working at a nurse, uh, the hospital that I work for will reimburse a a slight percentage, you know, because they want to try to promote um, four-year degrees um, or six-year degrees. So they want an educated workforce. Anyway, so, um, yeah, and I was like, look, kid, you know, I never had a college fund. You know, when I was your age, you know, I didn't have my parents didn't buy a car for me, you know, to help me get around because my whole thing for her was, okay, it's going to be difficult. And um, I want you to really if you're going to do this at age 20 instead of waiting until age 40, like your mom here, then you need to be serious about the schooling. You know, it's very competitive up here in the Portland market for nurses. You get paid really well. But it's really hard to get. I mean, like a lot of people have to apply like years in a row, like two or three years in a row to get into the nursing schools because it's so competitive here. And then once you get your nursing degree, if you want to work at one of the major hospitals, then you have to apply again for a nursing residency program unless you have experience. They won't take anybody fresh out of school anymore. I mean, that's how competitive it is. So anyway um, for her, I said, here's your options. You know, you can live with me and go to school full time and I'll help. I'll help you with your expenses and stuff. But if you want to move out with your friends and party all the time, you're on your own kid, you know? And so now she's going, she's realizing now because she's been out on her own for over a year. And especially with COVID, um, that it ain't as easy. As you know, and 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 God bless them, but you know, kids nowadays have it way way more harder than we did because everything's so much more expensive. You know, I mean, I think she's paying like fourteen hundred dollars a month for a two bedroom. You know, I mean, this is in Gresham. This That's is those, those apartments. Right, <laughs> I know those apartments right there off of Highway Twenty Six between Gresham on the way to Sandy. You know. It's crazy, and I'm like, "How can you live like?" But she's learning her lessons, so she's going to be going back to school soon, I think. (laughs) Good, good. Right. Well, she's a CNA, but she she's she's not in the nursing yet. So anyway. Nice. Well, well, I
0: know here we're hurting for nurses, and it seems like we can't get enough of them into the program.
1: So, well, especially uh, now with
0: COVID, you know. Yeah, it's a budding program that. Well, I work in technology, so we're always fixing their rooms. Uh So I, I know. Like, how important it is it? And how much it, revenue brings in and getting them out there. And it's because it's rural telehealth, too. No. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the demand is high for uh, nurses out here in Wyoming. I think, pretty sure yeah. it's still everywhere.
1: Is. I think yeah. they've been shipping them all over the country to kind of hit these hot spots with COVID. Yeah.
0: So, um, right out of in your 20s, we kind of got to roll back here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you finished, you graduated high school, Gresham, Oregon, San Barlo. Yeah, and it's cool. right. Um oh, Joey, Joey, Joey
1: Harrington's dad was our teacher there. Was your your sister <laughs> and my Mr. Harrington. So I can't remember his first name. I think maybe his name was Keith. But then, you know, then Joey was just a little kid back then and then he became the quarterback for University of Oregon, yeah, you know. I so that. Yeah, It'll yeah. Be so, be so I graduated from high school, tried to go to college, wasn't that into it, uh, went to like a quickie diploma school, got my secretarial diploma, went out, got a job. I got a decent job working for a CPA firm in downtown Portland, did that for a couple of years. It wasn't fulfilling enough. I, I uh, had a girlfriend that was doing the nursing program, and I started doing it with her, but I wasn't really serious about it. Um, then a couple of years later, I did get serious about it. And then I um, had applied and was on the waiting list for the nursing school at OHSU, which is a really, really good school here in Oregon. Yeah. And uh, I got on the waiting list twice, and I was fastly approaching 30. And I, you know, I'd been with my guy for 10 years, and we weren't married, and I was ready to have kids. So put a, put a hold on the whole nursing, um, had done my prerequisites and all that, had the kids, and then... Um, We ended up, we kind of just fell into the construction business because uh, we ended up uh, building our first house through his dad. We did a great job. We did a lot of the work ourselves because that's the only way that we could afford it. And his dad was like, hey, you're a natural at this. Do you guys want to do this? And we said, okay, you know. So we did that for 15 years and then um, unfortunately got a little involved in the high life, you know, and mixed a little bit of our business and personal stuff. We were making really good money and never thought that it would crash. And um, we unfortunately ended up buying like our last development in August of, I think it was 2008 or 2009 when everything crashed and everything crashed in October. It just wiped us out. So, you know, we'd spent all this time. And I said, Hey, let's go back to school. I'll finish my nursing degree. You finish your, he was going to be a cop. I said, you go back and finish your law enforcement degree. And, uh, well, I ended up finishing mine (laughs) and, uh, we ended up, uh, going our separate ways, but we're still good friends. And we still, you know, we still, uh, made a pretty, pretty good effort to, uh, be good divorced parents. You know, our kids were like 10 and eight at the time when we split. And I had a lot of help from my parents. My parents said, Well, you know, you've been out on your own since you were 21. Why don't you move back in with us and we'll help you with the kids while you go to school? And so that's I what know. I did. I moved back in at age 42 with my parents, which was awesome. All right, good. And good. Uh, went to school and finished my degree. So, you know. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, I have a divorce in my belt too. So, well, you know, yeah, I know. The I know. Yeah,
0: I'm know. glad I have any kids with her, not like, yeah. yeah i haven't talked to her in three or seven right. years whatever yeah uh, yeah if I, we had kids i'd probably still be in you here. guys
1: were only together for a couple years right
0: yeah like three and a half years of marriage maybe a year yeah. before that she's from england yeah i was yep, yep. I, I always tell I people that
1: i remember that story
0: um like if you ever watch the movie fight club uh-huh and there's a scene well i guess he's talking to. Him i so, love fight club hello uh, it's, one my, it's one of my favorites mine too um there's a scene where he's talking to himself in the bathtub and they're talking about their dad and they're like um I never really knew you know my dad and he was like well my dad gave me you know this vice he's like I graduated high school and I was like now what and he's like go to college and I was like okay graduate college now what I don't know get married yeah like I don't know if a woman was the you know the next logical right step in our lives and I was like I did it I think because it was the next logical step. Yes, we had a lot of great times. It was a whirlwind kind of romance, but we are polar mm-hmm. opposites. Mm-hmm. And it just grinded out for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of like, we are two opposites. Mm-hmm. That's my stuff. That's your stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I kind of- How the old world,
1: were you? How old were you when you guys were married?
0: 27, 28, mm-hmm. 99. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's when we got married. Mm-hmm. um but that that and divorced separated 2003 2004 um and so i i because I, I was new york was burning me up and our relationship kind of falling apart i was working in tv news um, a job came available here at the university of wyoming i thought it was a good opportunity she did not see it that way and that was kind of the nail that ended it all and I won't get into super details on that one. You guys had and a tough divorce.
1: Like, did you go to court or no? Was it it was
0: yeah. like we both were kind of like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, we don't have a lot of possessions. We don't have a lot of stuff that we really need to make this just mm-hmm. nasty. Mm-hmm. And I think in New York, all I had, all I had to do was just leave the state for a year, mm-hmm. and it was an easy divorce to have. Um, <sighs> But yes, yeah, still hold the divorce papers, I always check to make sure. I was like, and I check online all the time. Okay, I'm still divorced. <laughs> There's no like, she can't, well, you never know. Like, or, or she hasn't done anything with like my last name, like the credit and stuff like that. I think she got me remarried. So yeah. I was like, cool. All right, that was those. That and that I learned from that relationship, like, you know, growing up in Oregon, and stuff, you learn from those things that what I wanted in the future and, and, and what I wasn't, I was going to keep, you know, I started talking more about like what I wanted, what I was into and like was up front with girls. And I dated, I'm like, this is me, dot, 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 dot. If you don't like these things
1: mm-hmm.
0: next, the line forms right. the left are the girls that do. And <laughs> I mean, that was my mentality for right. a little while.
1: Right. And, yeah. uh, I, yeah. I think there's too much it's emphasis put on, like, you have to be together. You have to get married. I mean, my, my ex and I, we lived together for 10 years before we got married, you know, yeah. and we were committed, but i was like i was really fearful of the whole marriage thing even coming from a from a you know uh parents who had a really strong marriage i just was like what does it matter if you get married? If you love each other, that's what matters, you know? But then by the time we got ready to have kids, I was like, oh, all right, fine. And then even when we got divorced, for me, it was like a really big thing because I'd seen some of my other friends get divorced, especially in your 40s. By the time you get to your 40s, you know, your friends start dropping left and right that have been together for years. And, and, uh, you know, I had seen these people some of some of the people just be so horrible with their kids and everything and and just so self-centered and it's all about, you know, whatever, whatever reasons people have for doing it. Yeah. But so, I, you know, Gary and I made a really conscious effort. I said, you know, number one, we didn't have like infidelity or anything. It was yeah. just we we kind of just. I went one way and he was going another. And, and, you know, that's kind of the secret of a relationship. I mean, if you're both on the same path, you stay together when you split, you know, you can try to stay together, but sometimes it doesn't work. And uh, so I just said, look, you know, uh, I remember in the state of Oregon, when you get divorced, you had to, and you had kids, you had to go to like a counseling session in order to get your divorce So you had to go where they told you, okay, any relationship you form in the year after your divorce is a rebound relationship and um, it's probably not going to last. And we really want, you know, people to be uh, conscious of that with their kids. So um, the first year that we were split up, I still had him come to all our family things. You know, I went to his family things because we didn't want to, we didn't want the kids to feel like. You know, we didn't want them to go crazy like, oh, my God, my parents are divorced and what are we going to do? You know, and and even I mean, it took me a long time, you know, because we were together for 23 years. And so it was a big decision for me to leave him. Um, And I was really worried, like, oh, God, you know, my parents are going to be so mad. And you that whole thing about what a failure and what am I doing to my kids? Are my kids going to end up having problems because they come from a divorced family? But really it's all about the love that you show your kids. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're single, if you're married, I mean, as long as you, you know, put your kids, not all the time first, but you know, as long as you tried your best, to help them be well-adjusted, you know, I mean, look at you, you know, you know, so there you go. Great parents. Right. I'm just saying, you know, you can make it through anything if you have love in your life and you have support and you have somebody that says, yeah, you can do that. And I believe in you and you know, so I'm, I'm lucky, you know,
0: I I tell you, yes. In my forties. Yeah. You run into those Mm
1: -hmm. friends that are
0: getting divorced and such or breaking up and all that. And I go, your kids know, Speaking from a kid of a uh, child divorce, right? Uh, don't stay together for the kids right. because you're just showing them what unhealthy love is all about, mm-hmm. um, all the, the fighting. They know the tension. They see it. I, uh, mm-hmm. One thing when I knew when my parents were getting divorced and it was finally happening, I was like, thank you. Right. The yelling okay. stopped. the, ain't, the how
1: old was, were you when that happened? Like 10? Six. Oh my God. And you were aware of it at six. That's amazing. I was aware
0: of the fighting. And, but I mean, like the divorce seemed to go on for a couple of years, but (laughs) lots of different scenarios, but like Mm -hmm. I, that was the instant thing I noticed at first. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. And then I tell me, I'm fortunate. Um, My step-parents are great. I love my Mm -hmm. step-parents. I've known my step-parents married to my parents longer than my parents. Right. Exactly. so, that you know they make them better people and, mm-hmm. and so it's it's been great and so i'm like i'm lucky i got four parents i always tell that people i was what? like if you want a parent i got four of them that we're glad you be parents <laughs> to you if you want right. right and so i'm lucky in that situation and i never had the step parent that came in and was like i'm your new mom or dad or anything like that right. never worked out though because i had parents are like that's not going to be that way uh-huh. and but yet i mean I don't think I've, I've in cards and such like that. I'll call my mom or stepmom, but not like Sandy and, and Mike are my step parents. And so mm-hmm. um, I've never said dad or mom to him. Maybe I said to Mike more because my little sister, because that was her dad. And, and when she was growing up, like as a baby, she would start calling him Mike. And I was like, no, no, we can't have that. Got to call him. <laughs> so we would call him dad a lot until she understood. I We had I, Rochelle and I had a different dad. And I, she was like, right. okay. But right. I was like, then we'd be like, my dad, your dad, whose dad? And Do you remember...
1: Like, did your dad tell you when I ran into him a couple of years ago at the hospital, when I was the nurse for Sandy's mom? Oh no. Yeah. She was, she was there at, at, uh, um, at legacy in, in Gresham where I worked on the medical floor and um, you know, I mean, I had no idea that it was your, your dad's mother-in-law. Yeah. Or whatever, until Sandy came in and I'm like, is your name Sandy? And then I saw your dad, I was like, Dave, you know, he was like, who are you? And I'm like, well, I used to be friends with your daughter way back when, you know, but I mean, that's kind of one of the things that happens when you're, you know, still in the small town that you, well, not so small, but same town for your entire life. You tend to run into people, you know? So,
0: well, they're both teachers from one's Gresham, one's a Sandy teacher. Mm -hmm. So we can't, when I'm out there visiting, we can't make it. 10 feet in the store like I give especially Gresham or Sandy right here uh Mr. Flask, flask rude make- yeah oh yeah <laughs> and it, it, it causes me to whip around sometimes I'm like uh-huh. oh yeah I'm not Mr. Flasker okay. <laughs> but you're hearing rude. Flask you're just rude. rude yeah <laughs> when you hear Flask rude and you're the only Flask rude and for miles right uh you kind of whip around when you hear that name yeah and so yeah. but or, or they'll think especially on the phone they think we're we sound like one of the same uh-huh. which cracks me up and as the older i get i'm like oh you look like your dad so much and i'm like i know
1: yeah yep. i go there's no need yep. for a
0: dna test i am definitely the product of my mom and dad yeah and yep. my mom gave me the great genetics of i'm 47 years old and i look a lot younger uh-huh. and she's never shaved her legs ever i barely ever needed shave. to never needed to <laughs>
1: because of is she like scandinavian or something like that
0: no irish english is their oh, background wow. my dad's where the norwegians uh-huh. my flask are uh-huh. and uh so i don't have a massive amount of potty hair like <laughs> shaving i could shave <laughs> once twice a week nice. uh, the rest yeah no back like uh-huh. so i was always like thank you you don't Jen have Nick.
1: the old man sweater when you take off your shirt so
0: nope, little to none <laughs> Good for it's you, and
1: you still have hair on the top of your head too. So it's there it's you go. Of, see, it's
0: kind of retreating a little bit. No. Like, yeah, but it. fortunate it's... for my age, I'm glad where it's at. Yeah. So exactly. we do a stage where I tried to go along It was crazy. I called it my midlife crisis. Uh-huh. So I was like I'm just going to try to see what it looks like. And so I got out long. There's pictures and stuff. And you didn't and, have a mullet or anything, did you? No, Justin? but it was the way I started letting it grow long. Um, I should have cut it differently before mm-hmm. I let it grow because mm-hmm. it grew out just weirdly. And like after a while, my girlfriend every day would wake up and she'd be like, oh, cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs> and for a little while there, I was like, no, that would make me want to grow
1: it more. And then. I what think was her- the, what was the, you remember like the MT, remember like when grunge was really big and everybody yeah. from Seattle had the really long haircuts. And then I think it was like either somebody in Soundgarden or Alice in Chains cut their hair I think it was Lane Staley I think like the lead singer for Alice in Chains and then when they did their unplugged somebody wrote on their guitar friends don't let friends cut their hair or something like <laughs> that do you remember that at all or well was it Cobain cut his hair too
0: yeah oh, I
1: don't think I don't think it was think it was, Staley. Staley, it, was, it, was yeah. it was one of the other Seattle bands so
0: because it yeah. was. A I, band, so. that's when I grew up with my hair the first like mm-hmm. I played football for song and And our coach was like, my haircut now is about what it should be. Mm -hmm. And my senior year uh, was on an all-star team and we were practicing. And I saw this guy from another uh, school and he had long hair. And I was like, I want that haircut. And it was like the shaved on side, long on top. So (laughs) I started, I was like, I'm going to do that. But I could not cut it until after Rochelle's wedding. Uh-huh. I was like, that was like the outstanding real so my hair was getting long I could use the pictures and stuff your hair it
1: looked awesome at Rochelle's wedding I remember yeah. that you had and good hair back then
0: yeah the moment that thing was over I would, yeah. so it was going out long and stuff yeah. and uh but yeah later on I tried to do that again and it, it was rough so I realized it's actually just easier to maintain a haircut of this shortness and
1: well when you and- put played- and when you played football, there they didn't have any rules that said you had to have your hair short, did they? Or did they Oh,
0: my coach was like, you have to have an athletic haircut to get a helmet. And you can't play football without a helmet. And he wouldn't give you a helmet wow. until your what, hair you know what
1: was. That? Was that in the nineties? 90s? 90s, yep. 90,
0: mm-hmm. 90 through 92 or 91, I guess my football season were 89 through 91. Mm-hmm. Um, no, none of us on our team. Well, we were just, we were all I mean, he was so old school. We played around an offense that was like Eighty years old, like one of the original. They can probably
1: never get away with that now, though. They probably can't dictate what the haircut is for athletic. Uh, yeah, there's
0: a lot of stuff. I don't know. Maybe in Wyoming they can. They, well, I bet they can't. I, I bet they can't. I mean, because mm. um, it's self-expression or something like that. Right. Like right. they can, like they can't even grab a kid by the face mask to teach them a lesson anymore. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> not a whiplash, I
1: I probably, like, right? right? You
0: know. Yeah, I, 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 go, I learned a lot of hard lessons. having somebody else's face mask grabbed while I watched and Mm -hmm. went, I don't Mm -hmm. want that to happen to me. So
1: yeah, I wonder, I wonder how many of them ended up with neck injuries as a result of that though. So that would be a little liability there for the old school. So when I coached
0: fifth and sixth graders and I never grabbed them by their, like moving around the field, I'd grab their face mask, to get their attention. Right. Like, okay, listen, and I'd probably just calling a play. Yeah. But it was like, this is the play. Like because they'd be like, oh, you know, oh you fix traders,
1: you footballers, you yeah. gladiators, you teaching them from a young age.
0: <laughs> no, I, but also I taught them how to tackle, right? I taught them how to like there you go. I, I was very like when I watched just crappy tackling these days, the leads concussions or neck injuries. I was always remember my coaches saying, You can't tackle what you can't see. So get your head up. Yeah. And and I was like, okay. And they go, if you put your head down, you're gonna break your neck. Uh, and so little we do you know that all these concussions were coming from mm-hmm. bad tapping like that mm-hmm. and so I always had good form because I didn't want to break my neck right. and I always thought I was too slow so I needed to see what I was tackling so I couldn't just
1: drop right. the head so right. be
0: quick enough to adjust.
1: So you never had any lingering problems from it? No. Um, you know anybody that you played with that did?
0: I Concussions, I only saw one Where a guy, where we had to keep him awake on the bus ride back, and here nothing's close. So Mm -hmm. it was a couple hours of, dude, he's like, Why are we on the bus? It was like, We won, we're going home. He's like, I thought it was the third quarter. And I'm like, Still on the bus, going home. Um, I probably have two concussions from football, Mm -hmm. both. And now I get why. um, Did they knock you out when they happened? I don't remember
1: what oh, happened probably, like, huh? yeah
0: like they're both from kickoffs I'm
1: saying so much about you Justin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Scenarios. Well, i'm lucky well i played a position where i shouldn't have gotten a lot of concussions i was mm-hmm. offensive defensive lineman so our impact was was close so mm-hmm. i should have bad knees and and, and shoulders and stuff which mm-hmm. shoulder a little bit but um but the first concussion people. was on a on a kickoff return and a practice at our camp football camp and you're setting up a certain block, your head's looking one way, you turn the other way, and I just got ear hold mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And kind of all I remember is turning my head one way and then pulling myself off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't and you know, your bell got rung, but it also hurt my shoulder at the same time, made my whole arm swell up. Wow. And I was couldn't practice the rest of camp because we were out in the we're at this 10 day camp or set I can't remember how long it was. Um at a uh, so maybe some nerve camp. damage. There wasn't, there were, we had trainers, but I couldn't go just get an x-ray or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I had to do all the conditioning, but I couldn't do any of the hitting, which that's what I loved about football. Mm-hmm. And so it was just painful as my sophomore year. And then that same year, um, we're just killing a team and they're like, rude, get in there and, and be on kickoff, which I never played. I'd be on kickoff return, run mm-hmm. down the field, about to make a tackle, ear hold on yeah. the, my helmet. My face mask was on this side of my face. Mm-hmm. Don't really remember. I just kind of got up off the ground and was like, pull my face mask <laughs> back, and I was like, Coach, don't make me do that again. Right. Like, yeah, you just got your bell rung. That kind of stuff. Right. And yeah, looking back, I was like, those are definitely concussions. That definitely today, right. today probably would have put me out a couple games. Mm-hmm. I'm guarantee. I mean, mm-hmm. if we went by those protocols, um, and they never like. That's why I understand why they try to get rid of kickoffs and stuff because mm-hmm. it's just high impact running down the field and mm-hmm. i'm like with i understand it with this day and age with the kickers anyway they kick out of the back of the end zone so why do you mean you need them halftime so mm-hmm. i kind of understand why cuz that's where i got probably mine um, right and everything but football's changed a ton which is yeah good i'm glad i hope it sticks around tell
1: do you, do you think that up? the players are more aware of it now and do you feel like it, even like at the college level that they're really like trying to teach them Oh, yes. Okay.
0: At high school level, at, at, yeah. at fifth and sixth grade level. Mm-hmm. Um, when I see bad tackling happening in the NFL, I, I, I want to scream at their coaches mm-hmm. when they were sixth graders and, mm-hmm. and, and seventh grade. I want to scream at those coaches because mm-hmm. that coach lets you get away with this type of play on the field. Right. Shouldn't never happen. Mm-hmm. In this day and age of where we're at with concussions, I do believe that we could do more as far as actual equipment wise for the players. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it's going to take. Um, right. it, it's sad to say that all NFL players and college players are, are kind of disposable. Mm. Keep replacing you replacing them.
1: Like, isn't that yeah. where all the money goes anyway? For I mean. I thought that the, the college sports were like, I thought it, for the universities and stuff, that's where the majority of the money went was to football. So you're well, saying that they don't have enough equipment or padding? No, or no,
0: no, 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 Just oh. the, the, the study of equipment um, to make a better helmet that can handle right. a concussion hit. Um, right. There's a guy there Stanford. I think this is, they, they created this thing called the halo.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: it goes around your neck and it keeps your blood pumping to your brain. Like even when you, you know, when you stand up, you get all lightheaded. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen with these things on. Mm. Um, so they eliminate, like if you get hit instead of your brain being like a pee in a Coke can rattling around mm-hmm. like in concussion, mm-hmm. you got blood in your brain. It doesn't do that. Oh. And Christian McCaffrey plays for the Carolina Panthers was the last guy I know that had it. I don't know if he still wears in the NFL or was just a, mm-hmm. or for this. I need to still look this up. I was just thinking about the other day and now we're getting the conversation. And I was like, we got to find out what, what the ramifications are of having blood in your head consistently.
1: Oh. Not know, good. I, not, yeah, not good,
0: Justin. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm.
1: But you you wonder- know, The scary thing about that stuff. I, I mean, you know, that's the one good thing about, well, one good thing about education, obviously the and, and when they're studying these things, they learn and hopefully, you know, what my Angelos has that quote that says, you know, do good until you know better than when you know better, do that, you know. Yeah. So it it's kind of you would hope that that's what they would do, but then you know, like watching this last year with COVID and stuff, it's it's been interesting because you 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 know. It's interesting in the corporate world or the collegiate world or whatever. I mean, it all comes down to the bottom line, you know, yeah. whether people do the right thing or they don't do the right thing. So, you know, I mean, yes, I know everything's, you know, shades of gray instead of black and white, but, you know, it would be nice if people did do the right thing more often, let's put it that way. And didn't, you know, shove things under the, you know, doormat or whatever, because they don't want the bad publicity. So, you know, whether it's a hospital or uh, a university or a government, you know, so there you go.
0: Yes. Uh, I mean, I, being that I work in education, Mm -hmm. I'm very, uh, I'm I'm very much education solves everything. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't just mean going to school and all that. That means research. Right. This is beyond just like being in college or being in in high school or whatever. This is beyond that. This is count corporate, you know, research. This is. Uh, research at hospitals and such education mm-hmm. solves everything. And I was like, and then when we give that unlimited funding. Mm-hmm. You should be able to solve a lot of things. Sure. And, but people are like, well, no, I'll make, if I make people too smart, then they won't listen to the stupid things I have to say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm like, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Cause
1: mm-hmm.
0: like the only thing better than science is better science. Right. One thing better is that research is better research. And that, and that kind of where with COVID where everybody's like, well, they got it wrong in the beginning. I was like, well, because we didn't know. And then we studied it and knew better each day and got better at figuring out more. It's called
1: research and understanding. And, and. But it was also who you were listening to. I mean, I remember like the first couple of months I remember listening to Michael Osterholm on a Joe Rogan podcast, which was like in March and he was saying, look, I just wrote a book about this stuff called The Deadliest Enemy. We just went over this thing. Uh, this is going to be here, you know. And mm. I remember thinking, oh, crap at the time. And then I went and got his book the next day. And I was like, oh, my God, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, and then he ended up being like one of the advisors for Biden when, you know, Trump wouldn't take him, but Biden yeah. for one of the things and, and you know, just knowledge, knowledge is power, man, you know, I mean, and, if you, you know, ignoring what is the facts or what is truth doesn't do great things for you. You know, you just got to accept it. I mean, I, I understand that people are fearful and, you know, everybody, yes, I know everybody has a right to think what they want to think, but this whole thing about, you know, not listening to experts, like, you know, those of us that were in the medical field, that that could see it we were like what do you mean it's not airborne you know I mean (laughs) you were like what do you mean you're not giving us masks you know I mean like full-on helmets right away if you you know and and I'm not you know I'm not somebody who like I don't work in the ICU so I didn't have to go you know in the full outfits right away but I mean we definitely like I'm in the IMCU which is a step down it's mainly a cardiac unit and really when our hospital started getting hit with a lot of the COVID patients, you know, the, the really bad ones would be in ICU and then the other ones would be on the medical floor, which is where I worked for five years before I went into uh, IMCU. And you know, we were really lucky on the cardiac floor because they didn't want, I, I shouldn't say lucky. We, what, I didn't have to jump into it because I was a cardiac nurse and they didn't want anybody with a cardiac history, to be around anybody with COVID. So they purposely tried to keep them out of our unit. But, you know, around the holidays, right after Thanksgiving, man, the numbers shot up and we we were overrun. I mean, there were, you know, we only have 12 beds in our unit and we had six to eight beds filled with COVID patients because the ICU couldn't take them. And, you know, we had to kind of use the whole hospital and so we all had to go through the training and, you know, wear the full on Papper helmets, you know, and do the whole double glove thing and be real careful. And even then, there were still some of the staff and patients that ended up, you know, coming down with COVID. And, you know, it's it, it, just crazy. I mean, just some crazy stuff there, you know? So,
0: it, 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 yeah. It, <laughs> It was interesting. And I, I make this joke about it to the day and it's a meme and everything. And, and, um, I'm like, wow, do I listen to the experts mm-hmm. or my high school friend that barely passed science? Right, five? exactly. I, I, I'm, right? I'm in a quandary. I don't know what to do. I was like, I, I couldn't believe the input. I know where I live. I know the conservative community that is around me. But I was like, this isn't a political thing. This is a human Dang. life thing. Right. And I was like, look, I'll listen to you if you actually hold these specific degrees or if you work in, in the industry and stuff. I'll, I'm down. I'm going to listen because I have a lot of questions.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: if you're a plumber, I, I don't care what your opinion is on it. I really don't. I okay. care what your opinion is on plumbing. Yeah. I'm going to ask you. I've got some plumbing issues but I don't really care. Like
1: that, we still- But that's also, but that's also a problem with our media too, you know, I mean, is that they don't have to present just truth in media. It's this infotainment stuff, you know, so people don't know where to look. I mean, if really, if you want to find the facts on anything, you got to go searching through, you know, through your um, computer and, and on the internet and whatnot. And even then, you know, it's so funny because like with this whole thing, like with, you know, alternative facts or whatever, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, it's like, you got to think about stuff like, you know, <laughs> to get a degree in a university, you have to know what plagiarism is, right? You know, because you can't be accused of that. You can't take someone, someone's work and, um, you know, put something in that's not true and think that you're going to be able to graduate. So how, how did we go from that's the standard of universities you know or a degree to here's our national news that is going well we don't care what you know what that is we're just going to say whatever we want to say because you know it makes a dollar for us so you know what i mean i I, yeah i i being that
0: i worked in the industry for a while and i have a background in it and i had to learn how to be a reporter and you have a degree in journalism broadcasting
1: oh okay um
0: i was wanting to be behind the scenes i was no i didn't Mm -hmm. know i was desired to sit in front of the camera or Mm -hmm. i wanted to create stuff um Mm -hmm. i was really good at shooting sports stuff like that but i worked in news for a while Mm -hmm. and part of me when i'm like there are good media sources and i I will tell you that a lot of these people that work at least on the media that i watch Mm -hmm. went to journalism school right went and one they're the not show. the
1: ones that are out there in front of every they're yeah. not the ones with the with the you know with the um audience of six million or whatever like you know fox news or whatever so, sure yeah you know it's, yeah it's, you can find them but you have to look for them you know all me and i i with tv
0: media it's sensationalism i get it mm-hmm. it bleeds it leads but i go it doesn't make any less true i worked in the industry and i go Every Bleeds lead story I ran, we ran, that I worked on was accurate, factually accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Not to get in bashing Fox News, whatever, because they're about to get about a billion dollars here soon. Um, They are on cable news. They Mm -hmm. can say, this is entertainment. They can say, we're like Comedy Central because we're on cable news. It's a loophole. It's a Mm -hmm. dumbass loophole. But all the other news stations like the Broadcasting News, like ABC, NBC – They're held to a certain standards. The FCC, like they get fined, Mm -hmm. and they have to put retractions out. Mm
1: -hmm. But all
0: these twenty-four hour cable news stations
1: Mm -hmm.
0: can make up shit, as I call it, and then they go, "Well, we're entertainment." Like a Rush Limbaugh would do that, right? And and but yet they present it like it's news. Exactly. But people aren't educated enough to know this no, isn't the same, no, same Walter Cronkite they grew up on, the Rathers but, they grew up on.
1: Right. So here's the difference. Like, I don't know if you can remember this, but I do remember in the 80s when Fox News first started. And I remember the uproar that that is not real news, you know, that that the other news stations were like, what is going on? You know, Murdoch has this this brand new news network. Yeah. It was a huge brouhaha. But, they still didn't stop it. They still let it go. And this is kind of the, what's happened this progression of 40 years, you know, this is how, this is how, you know, some stuff doesn't, I mean, I guess there are instances where things change overnight, but you know, this, if you like study history and you study, you know, if you've read 1984, if you've studied (laughs) like fascism and world war two and stuff, you know, it's incremental, you know, it's decades, you know, Hitler didn't just come to power overnight. You know what I mean? It was in the 30s. He was doing, you know, he wrote his stuff back in the 30s, and then he, you know, slowly went into politics, and then, before you know it, boy, you know, I don't well. At
0: the, at the station I worked at in New York, we were a 24-hour cable news station, uh, News 12, Long Island. We had a really good news director, so we kept it, we kept it real. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I remember watching Bill O'Reilly in the back, because he, he was from New York. He mm-hmm. was from, like, he was a New York guy. Um, at the time we watched him in our editing base, he, I, I, he was not off the deep end yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he was talking about real things I understood and, and got, and it made okay, sense. on, it,
1: like, Inside Edition first? Yeah, yeah, yeah right? or something okay. like that, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but it wasn't where we're at now right. with with the conservative talk and, and radio and such. With, And I was like, there was a push right around there, too, to, to completely be like, all right, we're taking this hard, hard turn right mm-hmm. with this station, even though they were starting in the 80s and, and mm-hmm. Fox News is coming about. Mm-hmm. And I'm all good. I want there to be conservative news. I'm sure. fine with it, sure. but it has to be accurate. Mm-hmm. That's, you can't just make up stuff. Or this what kills me the most, and our former president said this a lot. Mm-hmm. He would say, and Fox News says, people mm-hmm. are sane. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, who are those people? Right. Exactly. Show your work. That's why I'm like, show you, let me know who those yeah. people are. People are saying, and I go, let me, know. I go, you should never trust any news that mm-hmm. says people are saying, or Fox news says that in the morning, like one of their anchors will be like, people are saying, and then in the afternoon, they'll quote that anchor right. in the morning yeah. as a legitimate source. Right. Blows my mind. Cause I know what sources are. So I'll, right not like we just went down this rabbit hole news. I want there to be conservative news. that's accurate.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, healthy debate is, is good in anything, but you can't just make up shit. Yeah. And then throw that into your argument. You know, you have to be able to support it with, I mean, and I don't have a journalism degree or a broadcasting degree or anything. I just know that, you know, that's common sense, man. You know? So,
0: but. And, and then I, then I, that's when they used, I, where I defend the media because then people are like, well, when I can't when I can't defend my argument, I'll just say, well, it's a liberal media bias. Right. And I go, You know what? All those liberal media biases are owned by corporations, uh-huh. by the way, uh-huh. and corporate corporations have an agenda and mm-hmm. it's not a liberal one
1: mm-hmm. by any
0: means. Mm-hmm. So they're bucking their own owners mm-hmm. by telling accurate news. So I'm right. just like, you can't throw the media under the bus like that always with people. So, um, and, and I, I get all the fence. I like, cause I want I'm like, cause I want it to be accurate. Cause I know there's a lot of people who did hard work on both, on both sides sure. to be journalists, to be these things because they want to know the full story because right. they want to report it. They enjoy it. <clears throat> there are some people that just want to sit in front of a camera and spew nonsense. And mm-hmm. that's you know, millions of people will watch. Which is interesting. Well, we'll, see. we'll
1: see if it swings back the other way. You know, there's a there's a um, I think it's Alex de Tocqueville, uh, old, old quote talking about, you know, like American society and how like the swing of the pendulum, you know, how America throughout its entire history has gone liberal or lefty and then it's gone right you know and it's we're so far right now after you know the liberal 60s and 70s that i feel like we got to go back the other way because we we're on that precipice of you know i mean look at look at the state of democracy you know nowadays (laughs) you're just like wow really i yeah i mean my mom is you know my mom's 74 and she's having a really hard time because she's like I don't recognize this country. She said like, this is not the country that I grew up in. And I'm like mom, oh my god, you lived through, you know, the assassination of Kennedy and, you know, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and, you know, all this bloodshed the Vietnam War and all this stuff and you're telling me that this is the, the country that you, you know, I mean this yeah. is the same country. I think it's just so much in our face now. You know, I mean And I think probably this was, you know, this was kind of like the undercurrent of everything, like watching the way that the Senate is fighting against like the voting rights in the South and, you know, this whole thing about, well, what's wrong with, you know, one vote for every person, you know, it's kind of, there's still, well, I mean, you know, in It's the same fight they've been having since the Civil War, actually. But, you know, this has been a really interesting year for history with the COVID and then watching all the protests. You know, that's one of the things, you know, Portland was a big hub for a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests and also, you know, people that I know because my ex was um, involved in law enforcement you know, I knew that there was good on both sides, you know, and I didn't say blue lives matter. I I put a thing on my Facebook one time that said black lives matter. And, you know, all my blue friends were like, Liz, you know, that's not right. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, you guys, I know some great cops, but, you know, we're watching the abuse of power that inevitably happens. It shouldn't, but it does, you know, and then, you know, and then to, to have arguments with your family members who you love, who think differently. And, you know, I remember, um, my, uh, some family members of mine were very upset with all the rioting going, they were like, oh my God, they're just destroying everything down there. And I'm like, uh, do you see why, do you see why they're doing it? You know, I mean, and then, and then there's that argument about, there was a quote, I can't, something about like, um, if, if, there are people who think that the destruction of property is worse than the destruction of a human life, you know, um from the protests and then, you know, from the whole thing like with uh, um oh, what's his name, Floyd or whatever. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, but you know, yeah, yeah. George Floyd. Um, the whole um what set it off. But, you know, I mean, it, it was kind of I was never in it. I uh I stayed home you know, I mean, I had massive sympathy, but, you know, my whole thing was I'm not going out in public with COVID and, you know, great for those people for protesting. You know, my dad had protested back in the sixties and I remember him coming um, home one day um, after uh, George Bush invaded uh, Iraq. And he came home, walked in the door one day in the late afternoon with a shirt on that said "No Blood for Oil." And I was like, "Dad, what are you doing?" He's like, "I went down and protested in Portland." You know, so I come from a line of protesters, but you know, and it's a different deal now. I mean, yeah. the the um, the injuries that people get nowadays protesting with them shooting the rubber bullets and stuff. And here's the thing: I mean, I'm on both sides. You know, I believe in the right to protest and speak your mind. I also believe in law enforcement, but I, you know, it's always the bad apples that ruin it for everybody. So yes, you know, there's a lot of great people in law enforcement. There are also some horrible people in law enforcement. Why has that happened so much? You know, why is that allowed to be? And, you know, people should be able to protest, but yeah, you know, you're, you're burning people's businesses and breaking windows and stuff. So there's always that gray, you know, it's not just black or white. It's like, you can kind of see, Everything in it, but you know.
0: Well, I with the protest with with right with rioting and such that happens with protest and destruction of property. I'm like, you had a great question there. I was like, I ask people, and it's also with like Colin Kaepernick, kneeling. I go,
1: Oh, absolutely. You guys are
0: focusing on the wrong issue. Yes. We need okay. to ask why. Absolutely. What makes you so angry that you have to burn that building down? Mm-hmm. What is causing this anger? For right. you got to protest. Why do you got to take that knee? Why? Why? Mm-hmm. Nobody's nope. asking those questions. They, autom- they just look at the, the ramifications. They're like, oh, he hates the flag. That's not it. They okay. hate those buildings. That's not it.
1: Well, but that's that whole thing about, you know, keeping people in their little bubbles instead of, you know, like the educated person is going to ask those questions, you know, or, or the person that's open-minded is going to say, let's try and figure that out as opposed to just, oh, they're wrong. And I don't, you know, give a shit about them. So disregard them or whatever, you know, I mean, like I have, you know, I have friends, you know, that have, uh, you know, black kids. And my girlfriend is like, look, I'm worried every day that my kid's going to get shot by a cop, you know? And I'm like, that's something I've never had to think about, you know, as you know, having white kids. But, and I remember, you know, myself being pulled over one night and being so angry with this cop because he pulled me over for doing like five over the speed limit. It was like 35 and I was doing 40 and I was like, really? You don't have anything better to do than pull me over right now, you know? And I had just gotten done at work. I was, I was in my nurse's scrubs. So I'm like, come on, you know. Yeah. And uh I wasn't like reckless driving or anything, but um, you know, and I remember kind of smarting off to him and him kind of putting me in my place. You know and saying well but but i never like i told my girlfriend i said i never ever thought he was gonna draw his gun on me and tell me get out of the car and you know put my face down on the pavement you know i mean i could smart off and not think so i guess there's my white privilege story you know know. but you know it is it it, there is a reason that this stuff happens and you know it ain't pretty
0: i i definitely i i I never got any pushback for talking about black lives matter or making my screen picture black or whatever um Only I'm like I do these things for my black friends Mm -hmm. and I worry and I think about them all the time. And you know, not to say I have a whole bunch because well, I mean we don't have a whole lot of black people along the way, but I'm like I want them to have equal you know amount to
1: be able to smart off to a company. We were raised on Sesame Street, we're all the colors of the rainbow, right? You know, I mean we, we were raised like well, I mean.
0: Yeah. I was raised
1: that that, you know, so so I'm I'm like, we're still having this fight, you know, 40 years later or 50, I mean a hundred years later, you know, if you think yeah. about it since civil war and even before that, why are we still arguing about you know minorities? why are we still arguing about black people not being able to vote like everybody else does in this country? Why is it, why are we still going back to Jim? Is it, you know, I mean, it just makes me so thankful that I wasn't raised in the South and yeah, all my Southern friends can, you know, yeah, you know, yell at me and say what the hell. I mean, there's, there, there are some good things about the South too, but that whole, yeah. Well, anyway,
0: I, yeah. And, and I end one of my radio shows all the time and I say, when you concern yourself with elevating others, you actually elevate yourself. And I don't have to say regardless of skin color. Mm And I'm like, Mm -hmm. and so when, when we have poor disenfranchised communities, uh, skin color, whatever, Mm -hmm. why don't we want to raise them up? Mm -hmm. Why don't we want to give them the opportunity to go? This is America where I think Mm -hmm. everyone needs to have the same opportunity that when we're born in this country, Mm -hmm. that we all have that equal education, equal chances to, to be that millionaire, billionaire, or equal chances to be on Skid Row, whatever. But we we all have equal chances, and there's a good chunk of this America that doesn't have that opportunity. They there's twelve hundred steps behind a lot of people. White privilege. There you go, mm-hmm. twelve hundred. And and so I'm like, let's elevate each other because it only is going to work out for mm-hmm. ourselves. Right. And I've never bought in to that i'm better than anybody right and that's what a lot of people get pushed on it mm-hmm. and, you know the reason you're not successful is because these people are right they're taking well, away your but you know,
1: the top the top percentage the bill i mean yeah. the top percentage that's running the country of course they want the lower classes to fight yeah. against each other over race because yeah. then it keeps us all from saying wait a minute i remember all that money the bankers fucking stole from us and yeah Oh, can I swear? Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, fine.
0: Um, I have a little you know, explicit thing. Going there you on go. Oh boy.
1: But I mean, you know, I mean, shit, you know, they never got held responsible for all that. I mean, I know they took my house and I never got any payment back for it. You so, are, yeah. you know, I never got anybody saying, oh, we're so sorry. You know, sorry we foreclosed on you and, you know, tried to sue you and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, wow. that's what it is. So,
0: Wowie. We covered a bit a lot of subjects right there. No, we got a little, we did,
1: right.
0: Uh, are we done? No, we're not done. We'll bring it back to more uh, personal. So you are a nurse. We got into yeah. the COVID mm-hmm. and situation uh, and your kids, you said they, they're what they were in their early twenties when it hit. Is that correct? Uh, no. So my
1: son was a senior in high school. Senior. Okay. So he was, he. I remember, I think what the first COVID cases were like in January, February of last year, my son's 18th birthday was in March. And I remember we were going to have a party for him. His birthday is St. Patrick's day, March 17th. And we were going to have a family get together. And we started talking, my, my sister-in-law called me, she said, what about this COVID thing? You know? And I said, you know what? You're right. I I think that we should probably not get together. You know, it's it's looking like it could be really crazy. So we ended up canceling his birthday and then the poor kid, you know, then they essentially canceled school not too long after that. And so I mean, he was he was one of the lucky ones because he had passing grades in all his classes. So they essentially said, "Look, if you're a senior in high school and you're passing all your classes, we're going to graduate you." Huh. And um but I mean, I think his, you know, I think I can't remember when they shut down school, but I know he was, you know, I think about March. So he had been living with me full time, going to school, visiting his dad on the weekends. And then his dad and I had a conversation and I said, this stuff is really scaring me. You know, don't believe what the, S, you know, what the CDC is saying, this whole thing about scarves and stuff you know, I was like, dude, we know it's yeah. airborne. So you got to be really careful about this. And, um, and he said, you know, do you want me to take him? And I said, yeah. And so Noah moved in with his dad, um, like in March and was living with his dad the whole time. And then Zoe was out. So I was by myself. And then my mom, who was in her 70s, um, and recently widowed, you know, my dad, my dad's only been dead for not even quite three years. And so she was dealing with depression from, you know, the 50 year marriage. And my dad was killed in auto. Uh, My dad had cancer in his sixties, uh, made it all the way through was in remission for 15 years and then got killed in an automobile accident. He went for a joyride in a, um, uh, 1968 charger with his buddy. And they lost control. My dad was the passenger; it was killed instantly. And so my mom was going through depression of that. And then the whole thing with the COVID thing—just you know, like when they talk about how it's been really difficult for some people to be home and isolated—that was my mom completely. You know, and then watching all the stuff with, you know, the government stuff and Trump and the, the spewing of hatred and whatnot—really um, tough for her. But anyway, so my kid, my kid. Ended up for his high school graduation, this is what the the, the Sandy High School uh, was supposed to. They were only allowing one vehicle per family. It Didn't matter if you were divorced or not, yeah. uh, you could only have one vehicle go through with your kid. He could be dressed in his you know graduation gowns with a mask. He would have to hop out of the car, walk across, get his diploma, hop back in the car, and drive off. And I remember, you know, this is, this is kind of a sticky subject for those of us who are divorced and have new families, you know, and especially because I was a nurse working with COVID patients. So, you know, the other side of the family was kind of like, uh, we don't want to ride in a car with you. And I was like, okay. So my ex-husband ended up calling in and getting special permission because I was an RN working with COVID patients. So we got to have two separate cars so that we both could see our son graduate, you know? So anyway, so he was only 18 through it. And then, like I said, my, my daughter is, uh, she was 20 and she was out of the house, but it was pretty, you know, and then I kind of isolated myself there too, because you didn't, you didn't know. I mean, for us, you know, at, at the, at the hospital, we could, um, the hospital started providing us scrubs so we could change into scrubs at the hospital, use those to wear during our shifts. And then at the end of the day, you know, we take those dirty scrubs off, put our clothes back on and leave and then go home and shower right away. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you just didn't know, it, you know, you didn't know what was going to cause it and what was it going to cause it. And you didn't know if it was going to be on anything, you know, solid or whatever, what, you know, Lucky for me, like I said, my kids were old enough where I didn't have to worry about, hey, am I bringing this home to my toddler or my young child or my older parent that lives with me? I was by myself. So, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for some of my other nurse friends who had to deal with that. I didn't have to deal with that. But, you know, and then luckily my kid. Is kind of a loner and kind of a computer nerd, anyway. So for him, he was like, "I don't have to go to school. Great, I'll sit here and play my games." You know, and I'm like, "Yep, you take this year off, honey. There you go. Good old COVID for you." So,
0: I my birthday's the 18th.
1: Oh, how about that?
0: So I was supposed to a concert, which is Uh my life.
1: Was it widespread panic?
0: (laughs) No, it was Mo, and they were in Fort Collins, and. It got, luckily I didn't have to make the hard choice. Like I wasn't sure if I should even go, but they canceled it like a couple days mm-hmm. before. And then we're like, okay, it's my birthday. And I'm so used to celebrating St. Patrick's day to my birthday. And, and we're like, this is a bad idea. We should yeah. go out. I got to stay home.
1: Right. And
0: that was kind of a bummer. Cause I'm used to like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we went to an escape room, but I already had like a vaccine, half the vaccine uh-huh. in me. And we were right. the only people in the in the place, so it was all good. And I am wearing mask the whole time. All right, yeah. No, it was us in the room, so I think I took it off, because um, it was it us in the in the only place. Like it was. No, really I was cool. just
1: remembering. I was just remembering that I had flown to Colorado. La- I had flown to Denver last February for my birthday because my birthday is the end of February, yeah. and I had flown down to see my bestie. And when we got on the plane, all of the middle seats were blocked out. And I have, I remember I had taken my mask and my goggles just to be safe. Yeah. And then I was there for a long weekend, like five days. And then, and my birthday was the 22nd. So I remember I was hiking in the Rocky mountain uh, national park there on my birthday. And I came back on a Monday. And when I got on the plane, every single, every single seat was full. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, this has changed just over the weekend. And what are these what are they doing? And I was freaking out because I was like, okay, I'm not going to take my mask off. I'm not going to take a drink of water. I'm not going to get up and go to the restroom. I'm going to sit here. I'm not going to touch anybody. You know, that's how paranoid I was. But just the fact that, you know, within a couple of days, that's, you know, it went from, Oh, we have to be six feet away. And it's still that way with the airlines, you know, the airlines still are packing their flights and you go, wait a minute, you know, if the CDC is saying, you know, you should be, they recommend, and then the airlines are saying, no, we can't afford that. But anyway, so. I understand, yeah. It changed like just boom on a dime. And I remember thinking, oh my God. So, you know.
0: I have diabetes. So the moment they were like, compromise me and system, I went, I'm going yep. into hiding.
1: Yep. And when
0: I, when you, everything you oh, is killer air, uh, we became, I'm an IT guy. I became essential because I have access. Mm-hmm. which i became a guy that opened up doors because we locked down every building but
1: mm-hmm. it was just
0: weird walking around these buildings with a mask on going air could kill me and yeah. and the moment i had the chance to take it home and work from home i did but i also felt like my boss wasn't really uh applicable like wasn't accepting of it at first mm-hmm. and i had to do like weekly reports of why i was at home while my other mm-hmm. co-workers were still working but on they campus still don't
1: know enough about it justin they yeah. said i mean you know yeah you're you're more at risk if you're older and if you're sedentary and if you have you know underlying conditions like you know hypertension diabetes yeah. if you're overweight but they're you know look at that young guy from broadway that was like the dancer, oh. singer and ended up going into the hospital and having, you know, getting the blood clots. They still don't know exactly why. I mean, they're learning more every day, but you know, that's the thing. I mean, and it's completely different. You know, one person can have it and not even know that they have it. And the next person can have it and boom, their oxygen drops. And I've seen it happen to some of the patients that we've had on our floor, you know? So anybody that sits there and says COVID is not real and it's fake and it's a hoax, you come come and work in the hospital, buddy. You know, you come down there and then you tell me how fake it is. You oh, know, yeah. when you see somebody's oxygen level dropping down into the seventies where they can't sustain it. You know, you're, you're headed for a heart attack. So.
0: I, I will. I, and then I'd run into <clears throat> the people would be like, well, they inflate the numbers because that person just had a heart condition and they died of a, the heart condition. And I go, okay, look, I have diabetes. I manage it. I'm doing all right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But with my compromised immune system, Mm-hmm. Covid could kill me with my di- my diabetes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would still be alive without Covid. Right, and they're like, oh, and I'm like, yeah. there you go. See,
1: they're not inflating. Numbers. Oh, Actually, so the people p- that you explained it to though kind of would get it. Yeah. yeah, see, and that's the thing. That's the yeah. that's the great thing about you know if you're diplomatic about it. That's th- that's the great thing about you should have healthy arguments. You should. Yeah throw it all out there. But like I said, you know, you got to back your stuff up with facts. So just like sure. you said, you know, if you're, if you're a nurse or a doctor or somebody that works in healthcare and knows their shit, you know, I would trust them over, yes. you know, Joe Plummer telling yeah. you it's a hoax, man, you know? Yeah. So. Are there,
0: and, and I was like, so they're most likely the numbers are probably not as high as they should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and to be like, really? I'm like, yes, because mm-hmm. people don't report Are people, would rather die than say, I died of COVID because they believe in something else. And it's and just
1: it's, amazing. It's the whole that. thing about it too, is it's still a pretty, I mean, it was a really crappy way to die. Yes. You know, Oh well, yeah, totally. You know, not being able to have your family with you and I mean, just yeah. horrible, horrible stuff, you know? I mean, not only that, but you know, essentially you're drowning You know, lungs are filling up. You can't breathe because you can't expand your lungs, you know, but then, yeah, not to be able to, you know, we just finally opened it back. And I don't even know, I'd have to check the policy to see if, if you could even have, I think you can have family members come in with COVID now because we don't have to always have, I think it's only like two to three weeks. I think it's two to three weeks for like the, the course of it for most people. Um, And you don't have to have, everybody's not airborne anymore. You know, it kind of gets um, leveled down to like uh, uh, droplet contact. So you just have to have good masks and stuff. And, you know, there's a, like I said, it's changing every, every week it changes when we go in there. So Uh, there was one
0: thing I did learn and I was like, well, I'm going to, everybody was like, turned to the bottle, turned to everything. Like they're like by drinking and stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah. I am going to work on my immune system. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So I started eating better and drinking, Mm -hmm. like staying hydrated and everything Right. lost a bunch of weight.
1: I know I was going to say you look fabulous. And
0: so like, thank you. And, um, then I started drinking like January I was like, Oh, chilling out. Like, all right. Like my head was in a better space and all that. Cause I was like, I don't know or like, I'm going to drink and make a bad decision. And next thing I know, that was the bad decision that got Mm -hmm. me killed or something. So I was, I was very, I kept it Mm -hmm. tight. I I went back to work, um, Mm -hmm. because we did a huge technology upgrade and it was distance learning stuff. And that was my wheelhouse and a lot of stuff I worked in. So I was a very valued asset Mm -hmm. to that expansion and teaching and getting stuff started and, teaching instructors how to use the equipment into the room so they could teach at a distance. If you had students away or, or in your classroom, our classrooms that were, you know, hundred and 200 people, classrooms went down about 35. Right. Uh, it's interesting still now to be on campus on a Wednesday afternoon. And if you see like five people, even though we have face-to-face classes going on, it's mm-hmm. interesting to be at a university and especially when they all came back, our students came back, we blew the roof off with numbers. Right. Um, right. our average still sits high for our town, but yet like overall like deaths we have Mm -hmm. for our population, 11, which Mm -hmm. is nothing in comparison to the other big cities here. So we, we sent all our students home right around spring break. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were, went home for spring break and we said, don't come back. Mm -hmm. We'll figure out how to get you classes Mm -hmm. distance. And uh, that was a big learning kind of curve and all that.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: to watch the education of it. And then I work with experts and, and I'm like science experts mm-hmm. and I listen to them talk. They're so, they get so charged up, even though it's like people are dying. But like how the vaccines were made, how mm-hmm. this thing's tr- like spread. And and they're just in love with the science part of it. And so it's mm-hmm. very interesting and informative, but I'm like, wow, you aren't scared enough. Like, oh no, I wear a mask. I've been at home. Like I'm not doing anything like I rarely run into people maskless in stores anymore.
1: Right, right. And, and like, you know, I think, I think that's part of the problem too is, has been, you know, because we didn't have that consistency right at the start of, okay, everybody mask up, everybody, you know, I mean, one of the things we were talking about the other day was the fact that we have not had a single flu case this whole season, you know, and we're like, okay. Uh, why? Well, probably because we're all wearing masks. We're all washing our hands. We're staying apart from each other. And, and, you know, those are the things the flu needs to have in order to be transmissible between people, which is amazing. You know, if you think about that, not a single case, I mean, and that's, you know, granted we're in the suburb, we're not right downtown Portland or whatever, but um, it's not a small little hospital. It's, it's, it's a pretty good size. And, you know, but that's the thing. I mean, the, the, the byproduct of this has been the economy. And, oh, yeah. you know, I, I get it that people, you know, don't want to lose their businesses and don't want to, you know, or even don't want to be stuck in their house all the time. You know, yeah. I mean, for those of us who, you know, have led pretty social lives, you know, yeah, it can be tough. But, you know, when your life's at stake, you know, like watching the numbers, You like looking at all the spring breakers down there, they just went through this last year, you know, they had the same crap happen last year when they had everybody down there, they took it and they spread it around, you know, any of these big gatherings, there's always that chance, you know, and even with the vaccinations, I mean, you said you had the Pfizer one. Yeah. Yeah. So even with the Pfizer one, by the time you have the second one and you've waited the two weeks. Um, you you still are only 95% effective. So there's always going to be somebody in that 5%, unfortunately, you know, and, and I think it, it, it does, it's really hard for people with the whole, why do we have to have two? And, you know, why aren't we just fine after one? And this whole thing about, you know, are people going to come back for the second one? Well, they should because they should be telling them right off the bat, which they don't, unfortunately that, Hey, you're only 50% effective. After you get that first one, you know, fifty percent. I mean, that's not good. No. So you know, and yeah, maybe, but I don't know. But then there's also one of the other things I was going to say too is, you know, there there are even nurses that I work with who don't want the vaccine, you know, and who don't who aren't as stringent, let's say, about wearing their masks and stuff or or their uh, get-togethers outside of, you know. I mean, now they say if you, if you've been vaccinated and you're with somebody else who's been vaccinated and you're through your waiting period, that you could probably be in the same room and take the mask off and not give it to each other, which is good. But, you know, like I said, it's not like just because, um, just that all nurses think the same way either, you know, or, I mean, most of the doctors do, cause there's a lot less doctors than there are nurses or whatever, but, um. But I've watched some really interesting uh, debates back and forth on my Facebook page between people I work with. And I'm like, whoa, they're doing this on Facebook. Yikes. So, you know, but anyway, that whole thing about you. But if you're diplomatic about it, if you can show it in a in a respectful way of, hey, you know, you might think that you're not doing any good by wearing this mask or staying six feet away. But you know, let me let me tell you, let me, let me give you a little bit of my experience or let me let me try and educate you from a scientific, you know, way about it. Then it does make a difference.
0: I, interesting thing about the flu that I knew I my mom kept pushing me to get a flu shot. Uh-huh. I was like in my mind I was like, we're not gonna spread the flu because we all got masks on. We're six feet. Right. That was my mentality. I didn't want to mm-hmm. tell her. I was like, and it, the only time I've gotten the flu shot in my life, I got the flu. So I was like, um, and so I was like, all right. And I kept kind of forgetting cause I was super busy at work. And uh-huh. then when, and I was like, but how am I going to get the flu if I'm not around anybody and I got a mask on all the time on my mm-hmm. office doors shut, like mm-hmm. I'm doing those precautions there shouldn't I shouldn't even get a cold with all this stuff going on so I was like right. I never did or anything like that and yep. so when the true numbers came out of the flu I was like hey people we get rid of the flu too
1: mm-hmm.
0: during flu season if we all mask up again
1: mm-hmm. and I have
0: friends who are like we hopefully learn them things and I know we're Americans so it's really hard for us to learn a lot of stuff but mm-hmm. like <laughs> yeah well like I used to see Asians walking around with masks on for years. And I thought, oh, they come from bad air quality. It turns out they're trying not to get people sick or get sick. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow. Well,
1: experience, experience, yeah. you know, we'll, yeah. we'll show you what to do. If you pay attention Yeah, to history, like we were talking about, yeah. if you learned from it, you know what not to do next time, right? So you and know, the, like, the scary thing, the scary thing about COVID is it's probably, it's probably going to be our new flu now. Is it, you know? Yeah. That especially with these variants, you know, yeah. I mean, it's probably going to be the kind of thing now where once a year, and you know, instead of our flu shots, or in addition to our flu shots, we're going to be getting our COVID booster, yeah. because you know, I, I mean, I, I so was, I, so I'm
0: sure they, said, I told no, oh, my girlfriend, they were like, oh, that your your vaccine only lasts three months, and I was yeah. like. God. Mm-hmm. I was like hey, antibodies. If you had COVID, about that's about three months. I was like, or maybe buys you some time. But I was like, yeah. no, they wouldn't do this if it only lasted three months.
1: No. I was like, no, no, no. no I
0: was like, I could the, see a booster. Variants,
1: shot in the yeah, it's that these variants have thrown everybody off because yeah. they, they, you know, it's like the flu. I mean, yeah. they, you know, the flu has a bunch of different strains. And all they're doing with the vaccination is they're guessing which one is going to be the most dangerous. And so that's when they when they do their vaccines, you know, they're basing it on the previous years. That's why it doesn't always work sometimes for people, you know. So my theory is
0: I'm not a scientist is that we are kicking the Earth's ass. Absolutely. And the Earth said time for the virus to go away. And that's people. Mm -hmm. and if we cut Mm -hmm. down on these people that are kicking the earth's butt Mm -hmm. then when we everybody went into lockdown and and the the earth started thriving again
1: i know when you saw like the canals in venice getting better and you know oh man no dude i know this is this is this is nature's way, you know. This is the Earth's way of maintaining the homeostasis. Yes. Which is Okay, these fucking humans are polluting the shit out of us, out of this planet, and they got to go. Yeah. So here, let's release. You know, let's release the kraken on. This yeah. COVID we stuff. haven't
0: learned from a lot of. We haven't learned from fires. We haven't learned from droughts. We haven't learned from cancer. We haven't learned from AIDS. Mm-hmm. Time for some COVID. We have learned.
1: We have learned, but we've ignored it. You know, to our own detriment now is is people are, you know, you can't you can't dispute the facts. What you can do is you can cover them up. You can try to distort them so that you keep making your money hand over fist. You know, I mean, look at this. Look at look at Bezos, man. And a trillionaire, a trillionaire. And from COVID, you know, from this whole year of I mean, dude, you know, he, he had planned for a long time to get, you know, Amazon to where it was, but oh, man, I yeah. mean, that's, you know, we were talking about like cities going under and stuff, because these corporations are just raping everybody else when it comes to these profits, you know, who, what do you need a trillion dollars for when you're making all your employees pissing bottles, you know, on the work line? I mean, that is so, it'll be really interesting to see, how this stuff pans out in Alabama with the, you know, the push for the union down there, which who knew that it would be Alabama that would be, you know, sparking the fire or whatever, but, or, I mean, maybe he's just tamped them down everywhere else, but, you know, you can't, we can't keep going the way that we're going. I mean, people are just too desperate and, you know, they're just going to keep pouring over the border, you know, because even if, I mean, even if, Things aren't as great here as they used to be, they're still better than so many parts of the world. So, you okay. cannot blame these people for wanting to come here and make a better life for them and their kids. You know, I mean, Absolutely. we're so lucky because we were born here, we don't know anything different, you know, unless we're out traveling around. But you know. oh,
0: I went to, well, I got this last statement and then I got my last question. I went oh, to no. Tijuana in what
1: when, the when? in the 90s, 21? Oh, yeah, in the 90s. God. Yeah. And
0: well, I went a couple different times. Um, one time at night, um, it was fun party because we were in San Diego. My buddy lived there. And then I went once in the daytime. And that was the first time I really saw poverty mm-hmm. just in my fate. Like everywhere I turned. Yeah. Like, well, we
1: were on vacation, right? Well, same yeah. thing for me the first time I went to Mexico. I was like, what? Oh, my Lord, you know. And here we are on vacation and this is like, you know, and then yeah. you're seeing how, how some of the third world countries can, you know, have to live. And that's not even, you know, Mexico's like, not even, not even like, yes. you know, I can't. So think I understand
0: that. why they want to bail. I would too. I would yeah. do the same thing if Absolutely. my life, my kids, all that was in, in jeopardy. You, you seek higher ground. That's, it's, it's mm-hmm. instinctual to mm-hmm. get out of that situation mm-hmm. and, I wish we had a solution to solve, to figure that out um, yeah. and everything. Yeah. But that's for another podcast. Yeah. My last question. And last
1: question. Was, we got to yeah. wrap it up. All right.
0: Yeah. It was a great conversation. Thanks. And uh, I ask this of everyone because the show is called All My Friends is, how'd we meet?
1: How did we meet? Well, Let's see. I was really good friends with your sister who I knew since grade school, but we really became really good friends in high school. Like she was one of my best friends. In fact, I was a bridesmaid in her wedding when you gave her away <laughs> and you were the annoying little brother. No, actually you were very sweet, and very shy back then. So who knew that you would turn into the little <laughs> social butterfly that you became later? Yeah.
0: I mean uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> you were a cheerleader with my sister, I believe. Yep, yep. Now I that, that high the high school had different cheerleaders for different sports. Uh-huh. And so were you a football basketball or were you just basketball? I was
1: I was only football. I, football. I I I yeah, I was only football and Rochelle, I believe, was on basketball. Basketball. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And we were, you know, like I said, it was great because she was so like into like school government. And she was, she was so like, she had ambition even back then in <laughs> high school where I didn't really care. I just wanted to party and, you know, go to the games and stuff. But, you know,
0: she yeah. had that ambition that cast quite a shadow for me uh-huh, Really? for like, at least teachers and a lot of people that knew mm-hmm. her. And mm-hmm. then I grew up through the ranks and they're like, oh, you're mm-hmm. Rochelle's little brother. I was Rochelle's little brother for a good chunk of my life. No Still problem. am. But, um, and then she had a coach in sixth grade, a track coach Hudson uh-huh. that called her rude uh-huh. first. Uh-huh. She was the original rude and uh-huh. she, you know she'll tell everyone that listens and I go, oh, I made it famous. But, and then I got to him as a football coach. He was my coach football. And he was like, Oh, you're rude's little brother. Oh, you're now rude too. And I was like, Oh, great. Another know. little brother situation. And then yeah. I moved here to Laramie no older
1: sister shadow that's right it was just you you were able yeah. to blossom and bloom yeah. and become yeah. the like i said the little social butterfly, butterfly. That you turned into
0: which was interesting because i always thought yeah i was shy forever but next thing you know my friends are telling me in high school or after high school and stuff They're so like you're the guy you we could just send up to walk and talk to a group of girls and i was mm-hmm. like what really and i go it's probably because i have an older sister and her oh. girlfriends were over at the house a lot and they would talk to me and tease me and all that good stuff And so I'm sure I was just like, whatever. I want to talk to them. You You can
1: thank me. There you go. Your friends can thank me for helping to, you know, help develop your lovely personality and your ability to go talk to women. There you go. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You weren't annoying either. You were super sweet. So. (laughs) Yes. I'll try.
0: Like. You said with your brother, you fought a lot. Michelle and I behind the scenes, everybody's like, you're the best brother-sister combo. And yeah. then but behind the scenes, she was yeah. on top of me, drooling and laughing and oh. all that <laughs> think, good stuff. I think the oldest
1: always tortures yeah. the younger, right? You know? Yeah. And so. so
0: that lasted till she went to college. She came back and I remember she tried to push me down or something and I wasn't budging. Oh. Oh, I was like, no, no, no.
1: Yes. And
0: then, oh, this was a good one too. Uh, her wedding. Um, Right before that, she tried to throw me down, and I'm 18 years old. I'm probably the strongest I've ever been in my life. No high school football player could do that to me.
1: And your I, sister was like a size two back in yeah, the day she, too. She was I think I 13, with beans, so you know, trying to trying to knock down the football brother. Oh boy.
0: Yeah, I think I grabbed her with my right arm, and I'm left-handed, <laughs> and I was like. Phew. She, the look in her eye was like, oh my God, she probably deny this, but the look in her eye was like, oh my God. And I'm like, payback's a bitch.
1: Mm, yep. And I
0: just laid her out. But I was like, because there was her wedding week and I was like, all right. Yeah. We'll you fight later. Great,
1: you know, you were great at her wedding though.
0: Oh, well, we got into a fight. Charlie and I and Michelle and Tanya all got in a fight together. Like old times. It was like good. old times. Exactly. Yeah, it was yeah, a good I must one. have missed that. Oh yeah. we <laughs> Then my, we got exiled to the hotel. Like well, I was like, I'm getting kicked out of my own bedroom. What the hell? Like, I was so mad at my My mom at the time, 18, angst, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, I want to thank you for being on my podcast.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for asking me. It was fun.
0: We covered a lot of topics in that interview, and you may agree or disagree with what was said, and that's cool to have an opinion and feel free to express it on your own podcast or radio show like I do. I've never claimed to be an expert on anything. Well, maybe some video and music production stuff, but I do know how to listen to the experts. And I try to make my life easier by surrounding myself with experts and really smart people. Can you say the same thing or you just know everything? To quote Socrates and Bill and Ted, the only true wisdom is knowing you know nothing. On to the next episode.